This is a podcast. This is a podcast. <laughs> Say hi, my name's Theo. Welcome to the Window Podcast. Hi, my name's Theo. Welcome to the Window Podcast. Hey, that's my line. From Spotify, this is the Window Podcast. And I'm Xavier Jernigan. The voices you just heard belong to Glenn Henry and his seven-year-old son, Theo. If Theo seems pretty comfortable in front of a microphone, it's because he is. The whole family is, actually. Glenn is a stay-at-home dad and a visual storyteller. Through powerful videos starring his wife Yvette and their four children, Glenn turns the stuff of everyday life in the Henry household into a vibrant portrait of Black family life and Black fatherhood in America. He shares these videos on his YouTube channel, Belief in Fatherhood. And in this moment, as America wrestles with its history of systemic oppression, police brutality, and destructive stereotypes of Black people, and men specifically, Glenn's stories present a much-needed counter-narrative, one that centers the Black family, Black love, and Black joy. Glenn and his son Theo, who you're going to hear more from in a little bit, answered our questions from their home in San Diego, California. Please introduce your family. We are a family of six. My wife is a very joyous, creative, and like she's a doer. My children, uh, the oldest is seven. His name is Theophilus. He is a very smart and cautious child. My second oldest is Uriah. He'll be six coming up pretty soon here. He is, you know, very inquisitive. Uh, my third child is Anaya. She is three years old. The only girl. Very sassy. Very smart. Zaya is my youngest. 11 months old. Kind of the, the glue for all the family. And, um, you know, he's very smart for a baby. If I were to write my first sentence in a journal, it would be, I'm trying to reconcile my past, prepare for my future, and be present for my family. And I can't keep up. I didn't want to be a father until I actually saw a good father. Until I saw a father who really wanted to be around his kids. You know, when I was young and one of my friends would have a baby on the way, it was like a death sentence. It was like, man, sorry to hear that. <laughs> you know, I didn't know children were a blessing. A lot of people treat children like burdens. And once I became a father, I was like, man, this is amazing. And for the first time, I felt like I was born. Like I had a reason to put fear to the side and get rid of all my excuses and live in a way that made sure that the steps I took were deep enough so that the children coming after me would be able to see where I walk so that they can decide to step in my footsteps or veer off to the right or left or go a little further than I ever went. 
I do the work I do because I want it to be proof for younger people of how to be a dad, how to effectively love and lead your family. The biggest misconception about black fathers, black fatherhood, is that we are not around. That's like the biggest thing. Black dads are not around, right? Uh, it's not true. All the men I know love their kids. Um, and a lot of the men that they know will hold them accountable to their love for their kids. We don't allow children to be without their fathers. And if that happens, unfortunately, in some way, shape or form, we fill in the gaps. That's what the community does. What do I love about being a black dad? I love everything about being a black dad. I love. I love when I'm at the park and I'm just there and I'm a representative that you would lie to with those misconceptions I told you about before that black men aren't around. I love the fact that. Other people who aren't dads yet are excited to become a dad because of my activism in my own children's life. I love the fact that I get to prepare my children for the things that I was scared to know. I love the fact that I really do get to teach them everything I know. I'm teaching them how to breathe right now and take deep, intentional breaths and meditate. That's a beautiful thing. I love everything about being a black dad. What thoughts went through your head when you heard of the killings of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd? Yeah. Um, you know, this list is a lot longer than just Ahmad, Brianna, George. After I watched Philando Castile die, I told myself I wasn't going to watch any more black men get murdered or black women get murdered um, because it's traumatizing. It's enough to make you want to quit. It is numbing for me. So when I heard about the the killing of Ahmad and George Floyd. And I, I, I received the link to watch it and I didn't watch it. I understand that I have to be a part of the solution. And sometimes that means I can't consume as much. You know, before there were videos, we'd hear stories. We'd hear stories of these things happening. I remember in 1992, right after the LA riots, tensions were high. I'm like seven, eight years old, right? And I remember, man, I used to love the police, always waving at them. And one day they just stopped waving back. I told my mom, I was like, mom, he didn't wave at me. And she was like, yeah, don't worry about him. And it was like, she rushed me off. I started to look like, like a, like a black, young man instead of a little black kid you know I went from adorable to nah he's one of them in a the moment 
You and your wife recently had to talk with your oldest sons. How did it go? Why did you decide to have it now? You know, Tamir Rice was 12 years old, Theo seven, so that's five years away. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. He's only five years away from possibly being seen as somebody who's, who's a threat. He's at the age now where, you know, he notices people don't say hi to him, you know, when he's in the front yard or something like that. And so it's kind of like, here, let me let me help you understand, like, what's happening. My wife had most of the concerns going into the conversation, but then she led the charge. Some people are going to see the color of your skin and they're going to think that you're a bad person just because you're black. Do you understand that? Why are they going to think I'm a bad person? My friends don't. Your friends friends do not because they know you. Yeah, but that's why we tell you not to. You know, my five-year-old was like, why... Would they not like me? You know what I'm saying? Like, you could tell he was like, man, everybody likes me. Like, why wouldn't they like me? Just because of the way I look. That's crazy. You know? You could watch the innocence drift off the kids when they hear that. It is a loss of innocence. It's the same one I experienced. It's just a look and a feeling. You can feel it's almost like a spiritual. It's a spiritual ushering out of joy. It's like, hey. I've been letting you hold on to this peace for so long and I'm so sorry, but I have to take it away and you can't ever have it back. You can't play with this anymore. This is now information you need for survival. This is not a toy. So Theo, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. I'm Theo. Uh, what's your full name? Theophilus Patrick Henry. Okay. How would you describe yourself to a new friend? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, like introduce yourself. So you say some stuff about yourself. Well, I do like going at the park and playing basketball. And I actually do want to be a parkour teacher. When I grow up. How would you describe me to someone who doesn't know me? I would say he's smart. And also, he's fun. And kind of silly. Okay. so am I. What about the way I look? If someone was like, I can't find your dad. Do you see him? And you have to describe me. Oh, he's brown. Just like me. And you'll see him wearing beanies. And he wears glasses. He might wear a hoodie. And you might see him with my mother. (laughs) Or me. Okay, so remember that talk that me and mommy had with you? Like in the garage? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that talk make you feel? Um, not very good. Yeah. It's just that it was very scary. Was it you? Um, is it scary? 
You know, I'm scared of things that I'm not prepared for. Me either. You know what I'm scared at, right? Birds. Yeah. So I'm scared of things that, like, you know, I'm prepared for people not to like us because of what we look like. I know that that is true, but it's the first time you heard it, so I know that you were scared. Why do people think that's okay to think? I, I haven't told you about this word, but let me know if you know this word, okay? How would you describe the word racism? Racism. It's just a joke. No, it's not a joke. Huh. Racism. What does that word mean? Why should I know? You really shouldn't. You shouldn't know. You know? I do know. What is it? Racism is when someone doesn't like you because of your race. You know what race is? Yeah. What? You race someone. No, not running. Not like running. Oh. Like the color of my skin, race. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So racism is when someone doesn't like you because of your race. Is that a good word, a bad word? What do you think that word, what do you think about it? Bad. It's a bad word? Yeah. What do you love about being black? That you could sneak in the dark. <laughs> okay. Just like your favorite superhero. Okay. And what else? Anything else? Your skin is soft, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can see cool stuff on it. Well, that's it, man. That's the whole. That's the whole interview. Is that all right? Yeah. Good job, man. High five. You get did a great job. You killed it. Thanks. Do I have hope that America can change America? Absolutely not. I mean, I have hope. Like, I hope. (laughs) Yes, I do hope that America can change. But do I think it's going to happen? No. What I love about this moment, what's inspiring me right now is the amount of people who recognize the problem. What inspires me most is seeing how much the world cares about black lives. And I just hope they keep that same energy because we're going to need it. Because once this thing is over and people are kind of on to the next thing, we're still going to be fighting for our children. We're still going to be fighting for our brothers and sisters. We're still going to be fighting for ourselves. And we still have to do this regardless if they're down or not. Glenn and Theo Henry from their home in San Diego, California. On our next episode, we hear from Sarah Bellamy, the artistic director of the Penumbra Theater in St. Paul, Minnesota, 
on the intersection of art, racial trauma, and healing. We are focusing very deeply on racial healing as a practice for our communities, in particular for Black artists who are at the fore of so many movements for social justice and change. The Window is a production of Gimlet Projects for Spotify. This episode was produced by Rosie Guerin and Matilde Erfolino. Editing by Andrea B. Scott and Renita Jablonski. Fact-checking by Andrew Helms. Mixing and sound design by Katherine Anderson. Music by Emma Munger. Our theme music is by Emma Munger. The Window production team includes Caitlin Baguki, Abby Razika, Jamisia Thomas, and Carrie Ann Thomas. I'm Xavier Jernigan. Happy Juneteenth and happy Father's Day. See you next week. Peace.